Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. This is the program weekly where we look at issues, organizations, and events, but specifically through the lens of the Green Party's pillars of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. A reminder to those who are watching live on Facebook, if you have any questions or comments, please drop them into the comment section. Executive producer Michael O'Neill will be harvesting the interesting and provocative comments and questions, and we'll pose those directly to Cindy Sheehan. If you're listening to us on a podcast, I want to thank you uh, for tuning in. And to everyone, I want to remind you with a hat tip to Gil Scott Heron, the revolution may not be televised but it can be brought to you over sources of non-corporately filtered news, information, and analysis like a green way forward. And want to ask you to share this Facebook live stream with your own pages and any pages you manage. Also, if you're listening on the podcast, make sure to forward, forward this podcast to your friends and families. And lastly, go to the website, a greenwayforward.org and sign up so that you can know about upcoming uh, episodes like the one we're doing today. And today's episode is a very special one because we are joined by none other than Peace Mom Cindy Sheehan herself. Cindy, many of you know, uh, has been at the front lines of the movement to end empire, end war, create a genuine peace economy and a peace culture in the United States of America. Cindy Sheehan, welcome to A Green Way Forward. Thank you, David. Thank you for um, inviting me. And it's nice to see you again, Cindy. And of course, uh, we've been in lots of movement spaces together. I've had the privilege of hearing you speak multiple times. uh, And I want to give you an opportunity for those people who may not exactly know your history to actually tell us how you became known as the Peace Mom. In 2004, well, thank you, David. In 2004, my son Casey was killed in Iraq on April 4th. And so um, shortly after he was killed, I made my first public appearance denouncing the war, denouncing the Bush administration. And I, um, founded an organization called Gold Star Families for Peace. So I was very busy for that year after Casey was killed, traveling, um, speaking. The The movement was very small at that point. And so I was traveling, speaking to small um, audiences around the country. And then one day I was at home in August, the year after Casey was killed, And I heard George Bush say that the families of the fallen could rest assured that their loved ones died for a noble cause. And he was actually talking to a group of reporters in Crawford, Texas. So I waited for one of the reporters to ask him, what's a noble cause? And not, and not one of the reporters asked him, what is a noble cause? And so I just happened, this is like a total coincidence, not a coincidence, serendipity or whatever. I was going to Texas the very next day to, um, and you know, I live in California. So I was going to Texas the very next day to go to the Veterans for Peace Convention. And I was going to be one of their main speakers. Well, George Bush said this on August 4th. That the, that our loved ones died for a noble cause, that Casey died for a noble cause specifically and personally, um, for my case. And so then August 5th, I flew to Texas. August 6th, 
I spoke at maybe it's third, fourth. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. So August, uh, Friday, I spoke at the Green Party Convention, which was August 5th. August 6th, I went to Crawford, Texas to demand um, George Bush meet with me. And somebody asked me, what are you going to do if he doesn't meet with you? I said, well, maybe I'll just sit in the road <laughs> and just stay there until he does meet with me. And so that one act of, of um, civil resistance turned into uh, thousands and thousands of people coming to Crawford, Texas that summer. And it, I think it reignited the dormant anti-war movement in 2005. Well, I will be, uh, it did in fact ignite the anti-war movement or reignite. Uh, there were those of us like yourself and others who were trying to protest, demonstrate and inspire others. But the reality is that uh, your galvanizing speech at that convention and most importantly, your call to invite others to join you at what became known as Camp Casey outside of Camp Crawford really was uh, a seminal moment in the anti-war movement uh, in 2005. So I really thank you uh, for that. I actually traveled there myself and and saw you there uh, and was incredibly impressed by not only the the, the, the movement, uh, but just how well organized uh, the resistance movement uh, was literally getting created there. Uh, right. And you were actually working with uh, a peace and justice center there in central Texas. Is that mm-hmm. correct? The Crawford peace house and the Crawford peace house was started uh, when George Bush was first elected in 2000 um, because to be, to be that, that voice of peace and justice in Crawford, Texas, while George Bush was in residence there. I didn't even know that there was a Crawford Peace House until until they emailed me when they found out that I was going. And they said, well, whatever support you need, we're there for you. And it's amazing that it seemed to be um, well organized because it was organic. There was no planning. Everything just just happened as it happened. And, and one thing we were very lucky was that Anne Wright, uh, who was um, in the diplomatic corps and was also a colonel in the, the national, was it the Na- national guard or reserve? She was a colonel in the army reserve. So she was the one that was very organized. She kind of, I called her my camp Casey commandante and she kind of, she kind of ran that, that side to make it really organized. Um, because it was just like what we would be thinking, wow, we're running out of ice and a big ice truck would drive up. I mean, that was just how the summer went. It was, <laughs> it was just very, uh, serendipitous. I think that summer, everything just came together for us to be there, for me to be there and for, um, you know, for, for that to happen. And uh, Cindy, I think it's, uh, I really admire and respect the fact that you took your personal tragedy and your personal loss. And really, uh, when you were at uh, Camp Casey there outside of George Bush's uh, 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 vacation home at at Camp Crawford, literally, my memory is your appeal was, or your demand was, meet with me to explain the noble cause for which my son died. That was the only, at least initially, that was the entire reason you were there. Is that fair to say? 
Yes, that was absolutely the only reason that I went there because I wanted to know what was a noble cause, you know, and and of course. And Cindy Sheehan. Go ahead. Cindy Sheehan, did George Bush ever meet with you at Camp Casey, at uh, his own uh, home at the White House or anywhere? No, we did have a meeting with him right after Casey was killed, but that was like, with the whole family that was with a bunch of families. It was just so he can express his condolences, but, but Casey had only been dead for a few weeks. We were like still in a a complete state of shock. And so um, when I demanded that meeting with him, he didn't meet with me of course, and never ever anywhere. (laughs) I mean, I got arrested many times trying to meet with him, but the thing is, David is that, we um, brought together in Crawford, Texas, as you as you know, we brought together many people who believe the same way we did, but also a lot of veterans, a lot of other family members, uh, uh, loved ones who had di- uh, who had loved ones who um, were killed in the wars. We brought together um, military families whose loved ones were still serving, and and what our demand was troops out now. We um, we weren't. Uh, flexible on that point. And it was like the end of the summer that my breaks started happening with the Democratic Party. And so they came to me and um, you know, um, people from moveon.org uh, came to me and they said, Cindy, you have to really get behind this bill in Congress. And it was really a troops out eventually bill. And I said, we can't, you know, our demand is troops out now. We can't say troops out eventually and look at David. So uh, they're still not out, you know, 2001, the U S invaded Afghanistan, 2003, the U S invaded Iraq, 2005, we were in Crawford, Texas. And all these many years later, troops are still in both places and in more places. Well, you know, Cindy, and that's also, I really want to uh, give you an opportunity to talk about your own development and evolution, because what we saw, or or at least what I experienced and saw was uh, your absolute insistence that in Iraq and Afghanistan, the message and the demand is troops out now. But I saw your ability uh, quickly to make the links not just about this particular war, but about war as foreign policy and the empire right. uh, that, that existed. So had you been a foreign policy person before that? Tell us a little bit about your own uh, evolution, because I was really quite impressed, Cindy Sheehan, with how quickly you became not just let's end this war, but all war and began a scathing critique of U.S. empire. Um, I was probably before Casey was killed, um, more aware than most Americans about current events. And I was a history major, a U.S. history major. And so I went all the way through UCLA and I didn't even like until I got to be in my upper division, even get a different kind of history than, but our history we're taught us history is wars and white guys and <laughs> how wars and white guys make an impact. And so I started learning more when I was in my upper division classes, but anyway, after Casey was killed, I got fired from my job and I made, 
um, studying, I made researching my job. And so by the time I got to Crawford, I'd had over a year of intense research, connecting with other like-minded people. Um, so when I was in Crawford and I got interviewed by all of these, uh, you know, corporate media people, they'd say, well, how are you so articulate? <laughs> how do you know so much? And I, I would say, you know, I just like didn't just roll off the pumpkin truck on Prairie Chapel Road. You know, I come, I came here with a whole background of life behind me and study and research. Chris Matthews even told me I should run for Congress because it sounded like I knew more about foreign policy than most Congress people did. And so then the Democrats at Camp Casey, I told you, they started saying, oh, you know, meet with us. And if you help us get back the house in 2006, because elections were coming up that next year, if you help us get back the house, we'll help you in the wars. Well, we all know how that turned out, David. And so in 2007, when Nancy Pelosi and her gang uh, approved war fund bills, uh, surges of, uh, of um, troops in these countries, and they refused to hold George Bush and Dick Cheney accountable, just absolutely refused to do that. I left the Democrat Party, and um, that's when... <laughs> <laughs> That's when my my stock went way down with with certain places like um, Democratic Underground, Daily Kos, uh, uh, all of Post. the Democratic Party front groups that had yeah. used you as a Move banner on, and you fundraised off of you, right. all of a sudden dropped you. Exactly. So folks, you're watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with Peace Mom, Cindy Sheehan. Uh, Cindy uh, famously lost our, her son tragically in the Iraq War in 2004, uh, launched Camp Casey demanding George Bush meet with her to explain what, quote, noble cause uh, her son died for. George Bush, of course, refused uh, to have that meeting, but Cindy Sheehan also did not give up and really helped to invigorate the anti-war movement, not only around the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, but actually uh, continued to do so. Cindy Sheehan, I do want to uh, fast forward because uh, I know that you either were initially invited to or sought to speak at the Women's March on uh, Washington that happened during the Trump administration. I'd like you to share with the listeners and the viewers your experience there at Women's March. Well, I wasn't invited. <laughs> I wasn't invited. I didn't go to the Women's March. But um, the first Women's March, the day that it happened in 2017, my sister passed away from breast cancer. So I wasn't really involved in, in anything that year. But this year, when they had the women's the anniversary of the Women's March, right after the inauguration in, in 17, I looked at their platform and I, I said, where's war? How come you don't have war as a women's issue? To, to me, war and empire maintenance is probably the top issue affecting women around the world and here in the United States when, you know, our own communities don't have access, our families, we can't get health care, education, um, adequate housing, you know, all a, ho a host of, of things, uh, social programs that we don't have in the United States that 
compromised working class people, people of color and um, poor communities. And I said, you have to address war. And they said, Cindy, um, well, one of the representatives said, Cindy, we, we appreciate that war is your issue, but the Women's March will never address war as long as women aren't free. And so my next question was, you mean as long as Democrat women aren't free from Trump? That's what, that's the freedom that you're looking for. Because I look at the Women's March, <clears throat> and I'm talking about the top is a very um, top down um, kind of thing. It's, it's a very privileged, mostly uh, privileged thing. And, and I said, we need a movement, a women's movement that is internationalist that is in solidarity with all the women in the world who would appreciate not being bombed or occupied by our country. And where was the Women's March when Obama was president, expanded two wars to seven wars? You know, that just shows a lot of chauvinism, I think. It's like we only care about what's happening to us here in our country, and if we could just get rid of Trump, everything would improve. Well, the Women's March on the Pentagon, which we decided to have, and it's coming up, we, we thought of it at the end of January of, the, of this year. It's coming up October 21st. We put it on the 51st anniversary of the first big march on the Pentagon in 1967, is that we are in solidarity with all the women around the world. We have shown on our website, women, um, marchonpentagon.com, that women are detrimentally, if not the most affected by um, war and by the U.S. empire. <laughs> and so we call ourselves a nonpartisan march on the bipartisan war machine. And we see all of these movements, you know, that have happened since Trump, has been president. And you know what they always turn into, David, is get out the vote rallies for the Democrats. And we are not letting that happen. People said to us in the beginning, you can't have the march on October 21st because it's too close to the midterm elections. You might hurt the chances of the Democrats. Well, I'm saying if you think a peace march is going to hurt the chances of your political party, maybe you need a new party. Or maybe (laughs) maybe you need a new attitude because Definitely, if you're afraid a peace party is going to hurt your, your, I mean, a peace march is going to hurt your party's chances. Then, and if you hate war, the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, are certainly not for people who are opposed to war. Well, Cindy, I can tell you, you're getting a lot of love on the comments section. I'll just take a, a few quick uh, uh, comments and then I'll uh, ask a question. Shannon writes in to say that Cindy Sheehan is such an inspiration to me. LaDonna says, Cindy, Cindy, you are one of our sheroes. Thank you for what you are doing. Jamie writes in to say, I can't wait to march on the Pentagon with Cindy in October. Western Massachusetts will be represented. And Nancy writes in to ask, I can't personally attend the Women's March on the Pentagon on October 21st, but what can I do to support the movement instead? Um. Well, okay, that this is a really good question. So we are asking people who can't make it to Washington, D.C., which is, um, we realize it's difficult for a lot of people physically, financially, uh, can't get the time off work or whatever. You can have a solidarity march or rally in your own community, even if it's just you um, 
<clears throat> and your kids or your friends or, or your affinity group standing on a corner with signs. Um, we, I have found out in my research since my son died that if you live in the United States of America, you're no more than 50 miles away from a war installation. Somewhere there's a recruiting center or a base or a camp or whatever. So you can go to those places and protest or you can um, donate at marchonpentagon.com. <clears throat> we, you know, do have, uh, as you know, we have expenses for the march and the rally. You can buy one of our shirts. They're really awesome. They're, and all this stuff is at the, at the website, marchonpentagon.com. And I really appreciate, um, I know some of the people that you, I know who the people are that you were telling me about. And they're such great activists. And <clears throat> that it's just um, so amazing, David, that we have seen not so much like the establishment peace movement, because many of the people I think in the establishment peace movement, really when it push comes to shove, is about the Democrats. And um, I think you know that as well as I do. When an election comes, many of these people uh, circle their wagons around the Democrat. They'll, they'll be green or peace and freedom or whatever between elections. But, you know, when elections come, um, they feel more comfortable going to bed with the Democrats. So um, we but we've been seeing a lot of new people, a lot of young people a very diverse uh, cross section and a lot and and the and the women's march on the pentagon isn't just for women so anybody can come out and support us we have many men speaking singing and uh but it's organized it's organized and um the energy behind it is definitely women energy well on that note i can say that john has written in to say as a veteran Thank you and the other women who are doing the organizing to stand up for peace. Uh, Hampton Roads Green Party writes in to say the path to peace is the Green Party. So I do want to acknowledge, uh, Cindy, uh, what you have said and really uh, uh, underscore this. First, the Green Party of the United States has formally endorsed the Women's March on the Pentagon enthusiastically. Yeah. And if any Green Party person is anywhere remotely near Washington, D.C. and can get there, please go. There is a large contingent of Green Party members who are going to be part of the Women's March on the Pentagon October 21st. Definitely. The other thing I want to really... Oh. Bill Stein is speaking. At oh, March. fantastic. I didn't realize that that had actually been finalized. So uh, <laughs> Jill Stein will be a speaker. That's wonderful. Yeah. But the other thing that I really want to underscore is what Cindy has talked about, folks. It's time that the movement comes to terms with this. The corporate capitalist political parties, the establishment political parties, will not now, nor have they ever been instruments for real social change. It is true that you might occasionally force them to tinker at the margins on policies. So that's all well and good. But if we are going to be sincere about creating a peaceful society, if we are sincere about building a society that will end our addiction to fossil fuel and turn us away from the global climate crisis, if we're going to actually create a socially and racially just society, we've got to understand the formula is actually quite easy to describe, but very hard to do. 
But here's that formula. Number one, you need an independent mass movement of ordinary people willing to be disruptive to the establishment and say, we demand change and we will disrupt your situation if you don't give it to us. But the second thing you need is an electoral arm to represent that movement on the streets in the ballot box itself that will not equivocate, that will actually keep the demands from the street and turn it into policy. So that's why I appeal any of you who may be interested in peace or justice or democracy or ecology, if you are in the two-party system, either the Democrats or the Republicans, I say with uh, humility, you are actually wasting your time. If, I have someone at my door. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, well, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, I tell you what, uh, it, it sounds like you've got to take that. So I will rant for a minute. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you right back if you need okay. All right. So, folks, Cindy Sheehan, the peace mom, uh, does not actually have somebody who uh, waits on her. She's got somebody coming in right now. But I'm going to uh, we will have Cindy back for some final thoughts and her final words. But I will share with you uh, the encouraging news that Jill Stein is a featured speaker at the Women's March on the Pentagon, October 21st. Uh, the Green Party of the United States has endorsed this Women's March on the Pentagon, October 21st. And you, too, can be part of it by going in. Cindy Sheehan, I want to circle back and give you an opportunity for any final thoughts. Oh, I just got surprised by three of my grandchildren. <laughs> I had no idea they were coming over. Yeah, so I just want everybody to go to marchonpentagon.com. And I do, I also have a podcast, Cindy Sheehan Soapbox. So people can go to Cindy Sheehan Soapbox.blogspot.com. Have 10 years of archive shows and we're still going um, strong. And thank you so much, David, for inviting me and helping us spread the word. Absolutely. And I want to thank you, Cindy Sheehan, not only for the organizing and being the inspiration for the Women's March on the Pentagon, but also thank you for the work that you've done now for 15 years as an unapologetic uh, activist to end war, but most importantly, to end empire. The willingness to actually talk about the fact that U.S. foreign policy is not a foreign policy based on justice. It's not about democracy. It's about oil. It's about stealing resources. And it is up to us in this country to stop the war machine. So thank you for the work that you've done. I want to thank executive producer Michael O'Neill, who every week volunteers his time as an unpaid volunteer uh, to make this uh, show go forward. And I also want to thank you, the viewer listener, for participating and reminding you that the audience that we are building here is independent of either the Democrats or the Republicans. Uh, it is an independent movement for peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. Keep on keeping on. Peace. A Green Way Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.